Here's a book designed to exhort and encourage, to challenge and convict, to rebuke and revive, and to drive believers toward the goal of a faith that works. James is refreshingly practical. Many people have referred to the book of James as the how-to book on Christian living. That's why we've called it How Faith Works. You know, we're all, whether we like it or not, we're all growing older. But it doesn't mean we're all growing up. And God is desperately looking for mature Christians to carry out His work. Because mature Christians are happy Christians and useful Christians, which is what we all want. So let's grow up together through the book of James. Good morning. Take out your Bibles or your mobile devices this morning and turn to the book of? You got it. Book of James. Let me ask you this question as you're finding your way there to James chapter 1. How many of you have ever just had one of those days? You ever just had one of those days? Raise your hand. How many have had one of those weeks? One of those months? One of those years? Yeah, you, you get the idea. I want to read you a story about a man named uh, Brian Heiss from Provo, Utah. And this is supposedly a true story that happened, happened several years ago. And uh, he says, uh, in this article, it says that he recently experienced more difficulty than any human being should have on a single day. He's having one of those days. First, a water pipe broke in the upstairs apartment above his own and flooded his apartment. So the manager told him to go out and rent a water vacuum. That's when he discovered his car had a flat tire. He changed the tire, went inside to phone a friend for help. Standing in the water, the electric shock he got from the phone startled him, and he ripped the phone off the wall. Before he could leave the apartment a second time, a neighbor had to kick down his apartment door because water damage had jammed it tight. While all of this was going on, somebody stole Brian's car. But it was almost out of gas, so he found it a few blocks away. He then had to push it to a gas station. That evening, Heiss attended a military ceremony at BYU. He injured himself severely when he somehow sat down in his own bayonet, which had been tossed into the front seat of his car. Doctors were able to stitch up his wounds, but no one was able to resuscitate Brian's four canaries, which were crushed to death when the wet ceiling plaster in his apartment fell on them while he was gone. When he got home, he slipped on the wet carpet and badly injured his tailbone. Mr. High said he began to wonder if God wanted to be dead, but he just kept missing. <laughs> Maybe you've ever felt that way. You've had a day like that. Let, let me ask you, be honest this morning. Let's be, be honest this morning. How many of you would say you're in a trial or a problem right now in your life? Raise your hand. Raise it up high. Look around. A lot of people. You're in a trial or problem right now. How many of you are sitting next to the problem right now? No, no, don't raise your hand to that one. No, that's, that's a message for another day. <laughs> when we go through problems and trials in our life, one of the number one questions that people ask is, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? And even many Christians get confused by trials and problems in their life. And, and we begin to wonder things like, does God not love me? Is God mad at me? Have I done something wrong? Maybe I'm not even a Christian. And James is going to help us today. We've called this one of the most practical books in the Bible. It's a how-to manual on Christian living, how faith works. 
and, and he's going to help us with how to deal with our problems and our trials and how to have the right godly biblical perspective on them. Now, most of the times when we're reading a book of the Bible in the New Testament, you know, it's a letter. This is a letter that James, I told you last week in our introduction, it's a letter he's writing to uh, Jewish believers to encourage them. And most of the time you expect the first few verses of the letter is greeting and kind of warming up the crowd and all that, a little bit of small talk. But man, James only does that in verse one. And then verse two, he just hits the ground running. He cuts right to the chase. He skips the preliminaries and he faces, you know, head on some of these issues and problems that we had. And he begins to talk about how to profit from our problems, how to triumph over trials, how to suffer successfully. And so he just jumps right in. So let's do that. In verse two, James chapter one, verse two, he says this, my brethren, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. He just cuts right to the chase. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. So he's writing this letter to these people. Now, can you imagine if I heard you were going through trials and difficulties, and I'm going to write you a little letter of encouragement. And I said, hey, how you doing? I heard you're going through some problems and trials. Don't worry, be happy. Just, just rejoice. Just be happy. It's just, just be okay. And I drop that bombshell and surprise on you. I mean, that's what James does here in this letter. He knows these people are going through trials. And he just jumps right into it and says, don't worry about it. Rejoice. And I'm sure they, like us, would be like, are you kidding? I mean, don't you know what I'm going through? I mean, how is this possible, James, that you can just jump right into this letter? We're going through all these trials and tell us to rejoice. Well, there's a key phrase in verse 3, and it says this in verse 3, knowing. Everybody say Knowing knowing, he says, you can have joy in the midst of your trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces patience. There's some things you need to know. Attitude is determined by understanding. And joy is based on some facts that we know. So I hope you'll take notes this morning. James says, if you're going to rejoice in trials, there's some things you need to know. There are four things you need to know. Sometimes people say, what you don't know won't hurt you. But I would say what you don't know can hurt you. And James says here, if you're going to profit from problems, there's some things you need to know. Count it all joy knowing. What are the things we need to know? Four things. First of all, you need to know this about problems. Problems are inevitable. You need to know that. Verse 2 says, uh, my brother, count it all joy if you fall into various trials. Is that what he says? No. My Bible says, count it all joy, say it, church, when. It's not a matter of if we're going to have problems, but when we're going to have problems. They're inevitable. And this is a fact you need to know, that we're going to have problems in our life. We can count on it. Jesus said it this way. He said, in the world, you're going to have trouble. In the world. He said, but be, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter 4.12. He said, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Oh, what is James saying? What is Peter saying? They're all saying problems are inevitable in our life. No one is immune to problems. No one is isolated from problems. No one is exempt from problems. We're all going to face problems. I remember uh, when Shelly and I were fairly early on in ministry and in our marriage, uh, I made the ultimate mistake one day of saying, you know what, honey? We have a great marriage, great family, great kids, great ministry. We haven't really had any problems in our life. And I almost felt like I needed to pray and ask God for some problems because I saw a lot of people I was ministering to, their faith growing through their problems. 
Big mistake to say that because it wasn't a month later we faced one of the biggest problems in our ministry we've ever faced. And what I found out and realized is you don't have to pray and wish for problems. They're going to show up on their own. They're inevitable. And in life, there's going to be some suffering. It's a fact of life. It, suffering is not an elective in this life. It's, it's a required course that we all go through at different times. You can't opt out of it. And so you first, James says, you need to know this. If you're going to profit from problems, you need to know that problems are inevitable. They happen to all of us. Here's the second thing you need to know. Problems are unpredictable. Notice what he says in verse 2. My brother, count it all joy when you fall into. He says fall into various problems and trials. This word fall comes from the Greek word peripito. I like to say peripito. I like to put a little Italian flair with it. But what it means is to fall into unexpectedly. It's the same word that's used in the story of the Good Samaritan where the man fell among thieves and robbers. He wasn't expecting it. It came unexpectedly. You see, we can seldom anticipate our problems. But that may be just as well because if we could anticipate them and see them coming, we would avoid them and we would miss the benefit of our problems that James is going to address today. So what is it that makes problems a problem? It's that it catches us off guard, right? We're not expecting it. When, when we least expect it, when we don't have time for it, when we're unprepared, when it's inconvenient. I remember, I think it was in the last year, um, we ran into some problems with some of the appliances and things in our house. Um, and they all seem to happen at once. Have you ever noticed things seem to happen in threes? And like in the very same week, um, our dryer went out, our microwave went out, and one of our tires blew on our car and we needed all new tires. And so I was like, well, I, you know, I can't fix the tires. I've got to go buy new tires. But I think I can fix the microwave and the dryer. So I thought. And if any of you guys know your pastor, I have many talents, but fixing things is not one of them. My, my wife is also very aware of this. And so I said, I think I can fix the microwave. I mean, how hard can it be? We have a built-in microwave. You know, I'll take it off there. I'll go to Home Depot Lowe's. I'll buy a new one. It can't be that difficult She's like, are you sure? I'm like, oh, yeah, I got this. So I go to the store, buy a new microwave, get home. I figure out how to get the old one off there. I dig through some tools that I don't really know how to use. I, I successfully get the broken microwave off the wall. But then I realize putting the new microwave up is not as easy as taking the old one down. And I've got the microwave off the wall. I've got parts spread out all over the kitchen. And Shelly's like, so when do you think you're going to have that done? And I'm like, well, I don't even think I have the right tools to fix this. I don't even know where, I don't even, I was, I don't even know where to go from here. I don't even know what to do next. And so I thought it was a miracle of God. A man in our church who's very good at fixing things shows up at our door with his tools. And he's like, hey, do you need some help with anything? What I didn't realize was my wife had snuck to the phone and had called him and said, will you please help your pastor? He's making a mess of my kitchen, and I'm not going to have a microwave for a month. And so I, the unexpected problems, we finally got the thing fixed. And let me ask you this. How many of you guys schedule your problems? Do you, anybody schedule your problems? No, you can't schedule them because they're unexpected. You can't schedule a flat tire or a broken microwave or the kids getting sick or a job loss. And James says here, listen, if you're going to profit from problems, you need to know problems are inevitable and problems are unpredictable. And there's something else you need to know. Problems are are variable. 
They're variable. Look at what he says in verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into what kind of trials? Various is the word. Various trials. It means trials come in all sizes, shapes. There's a great assortment of them. There's a real variety. Here's the good news. You'll never get bored because they come in different ways. This word various here means multicolored, many shades. You know, it's a little easier nowadays, but back in the day, have you ever tried to match paint? You know, like you, you get a house and it's got paint and, and they don't have the paint anymore. And so you try to match it. And nowadays they can laser it. But used to, you know, you'd have to go down and you try to have to match it up and figure it out and all that. And I remember one time I was trying to match like some brown paint. And I'm thinking, what's brown paint? And, you know, I go down to the paint store and I'm like, I need this color brown. They're like, well, we have 40 different colors of brown. And then we have 40 shades of each of those browns. I'm like, oh, you know, various shades. And that's, that's what... James is saying here, our trials and our problems come in various ways, in different shapes and sizes and shades. Problems differ in intensity. Our problems differ in frequency. Our our problems differ in their duration. We could say they come in more than 31 flavors. And some problems are custom made for us. And when we have those, we usually know they're custom made for us. I read a sign one time and it said, into every life a little rain must fall, but this is ridiculous. Maybe some of you can identify. So James says here, if you're going to profit from problems, you need to know problems are inevitable, they're unpredictable, they're variable. Now here's the good news. You really got to pay attention on this one because this will help you. Problems are purposeful. You need to know this. If you're going to profit from problems, there's a purpose for our problems. Verse 3, James says it this way, knowing the testing of your faith produces patience. It produces something. There's a purpose for problems. Parents, we, we understand this in our parenting. I mean, aren't there times that you have your kids do things they don't want to do and the kids see them as a trial and a problem? They think that as parents, we're just trying to inflict pain and chaos on their life. But we know that what they see as a problem is for their own good in the end. Amen, parents? You know what I mean? Why do we make our parent, why as we parents do we make our kids get up, go to school, get good grades so they can graduate? So they can graduate and they can maybe go on and get a job and get out of the house and pay their own bills. Can I have an amen, parents? <laughs> there is a purpose behind what the kids think are problems. And our Heavenly Father looks at all of us as His children and understands there's a purpose for our problems and why he allows them to come into our life. The fact is this, pain can be productive. That's what James is teaching us here. Pain can be productive. Pressure produces some things. Suffering can accomplish some things of value in our life. It has a purpose. You say, what? What purpose could problems have? Well, James gives us three. Don't miss these. Three problems or three purposes, excuse me, of problems. First of all, problems, here's a purpose of problems. Problems purify my faith. Problems have a way of purifying my faith. James says in verse 3, knowing the testing of your faith. Tests reveal where we are. You take a test in school, you find out, you know, where are you really at and understanding, you know, that problem, you know, that, that story, you know, that, that class. And and God allows problems to come into our Christian life to test our faith and to find out how strong we are and help make us stronger. This word testing he used here, the testing of our faith, is a word used in the refining of precious metals like gold and silver. And, And what they would do is they would take gold and silver and they would boil it and they would heat it up. 
And when they heat it up, the impurities come to the top called dross. They skim those off. And then what you're left with is pure gold or pure silver. It takes away the impurities. God has a way of doing that to our faith when we go through tests and trials. That's what James is talking about here. You want to talk about a man who faced problems and trials in the Bible, look no further than Job. If you know Job's story, I mean, you talk about a guy having a bad day, a bad month, a bad year. He lost his wealth. He lost his health. He lost his family. He lost everything. But listen to Job's attitude and response. In Job 23.10, here's what Job said. When he, God, has tested me, I will come forth as gold. He knew that it had a purifying effect on his faith. Your faith develops when things don't go as planned. That's how our faith is strengthened and how it develops and it's purified. Um, I've shared with our church that we are, have been praying about and are trying to acquire the 38 acres of land right next door here to, hire, to Prairie View High School where we'll have an opportunity to, to possibly build Orchard Church building on. And uh, it's been quite the ride. And every time we think we're going to be under contract and it's going to happen, then something else gets in the way. And I'm going to encourage you guys to be praying uh, because we, we believe that by the end of next week, we may have a contract on the land next door. And so be praying about that. Um, and our attitude going into this has been, you know what, um, we didn't come here to build a building, we came here to build a church, and, and we've got that, and if God wants us to have a building, that's in his hands, but some exciting things are happening, and we'll be bringing you up to speed on those, and having some meetings about that, but I'll tell you, it's been a test of our faith, <laughs> because every time we think it's going to work out, something else happens, and it's tested our faith, but you know what we're learning in this, that God is more interested in building disciples than building a building. God's more interested. And, and we've been on a course of character building. We might not have a building yet, but God is building something. He's building our faith. He's building our character. He's building our, our patience. You see, faith is like steel. It's stronger when it's tested. And that's what James is telling us here. The purpose of our problems is, number one, it purifies our faith. Number two, here's another thing that, that problems do. Problems fortify my patience. They strengthen our patience. Verse 3 says it, that our trials, verse 3, produces what? Patience. Everybody say patience. patience. Trials produce patience. They fortify our patience. Let me ask you honestly, how many of you could benefit from a little more patience in your life at times? Anybody benefit from that? Okay. Well, then you got to expect some problems and trials because our patience isn't built and fortified when we're laying on the beach in Hawaii. It happens when problems come and trials come. That's what James is telling us. It, it produces patience. And, and this word patience is talking about staying power, endurance, the ability to keep on keeping on in the midst of trials and tribulations and problems in our life. It literally means the ability to stay under pressure, to not crack. You know, we usually want to get away from pressure. We do things like go on vacation, we medicate ourselves, we try to sleep it off. But you need to get this, church. God uses problems to teach us how to handle pressure. And we all face pressure at times in our life. And God wants to produce patience to help us to stay under that pressure so that we never give up. But we have trouble even being patient for patience, Heard about the man who said, I need patience. He prayed to God. He said, God, will you please give me patience? And I need it now. <laughs> I, I think this is even harder in our society today to be patient. 
and to stay under pressure because we have so many creature comforts in our life today, don't we? I mean, we live in a very convenient society. If you want it now, you can have it now. And all these instant things that, that we have. I mean, we can't even make our own coffee anymore. We got these things called Keurigs. You ever seen these Keurig machines? You know, you take a little K-cup, you put it in, you push a button, you got coffee. And I just want to tell you guys, I love the Keurig. <laughs> love it. I have one at home. We have one in our office. We're so used to everything in an instant. But here's the, here's the challenge. When we face problems and tests and trials in our life, we need patience. Endurance is a rare quality in a lot of people today because people want things now. They want it instantly. And when they don't have it, they give up. You know, the great coach Vince Lombardi said, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. One lady said, go shopping. No. James says we can profit from problems. There's some things we need to know, and we need to know that problems have a purpose. They purify our faith. They fortify and strengthen our patience. And here's a third thing they do. Problems sanctify my character. They build our character. Look at verse 4. James says, but let patience. You've got to allow patience to have its perfect maturing work, that you may be perfect. That word's mature. We talked about that last week, that you may be perfect, mature, and complete, and lacking nothing. Those are all character-building words. Because God's long-range goal for us is maturity, that we don't just grow old, but we grow up in our Christian faith. Let let me tell you something. When when you understand this and you embrace this, it can be life-changing. God is much more concerned about our character than our comfort. Let me say that again. God is much more concerned about our character than our comfort. But so many Christians, they have no idea what God's purpose and agenda is for their life and that he wants them to grow up and he wants them to mature and he wants us to be people of character. We say it all the time. This is why we have a very intentional one-on-one discipleship process here at Orchard Church because in discipleship, we see people grow. We see people mature. We see their Christian character being built. That's why it's so important. We're always encouraging you guys to be a part of that. I want you to get it this way in your notes. God's number one purpose is this, to make us like Jesus. If you agree with that, say yes. God's number one purpose is to make us like his son, like Jesus. So if God is going to make us like Jesus, then we've got to expect that we're going to face some of the same things that Jesus faced. And you know what Jesus, what I read in my Bible, he faced? He faced loneliness at times. He faced fatigue. He faced temptations. We're going to deal with that in a couple of weeks. He, felt, he, he faced uh, bouts of depression in the garden. He was discouraged. We're going to face those things, and they build our character and help us to be like Jesus. You know, there's two ways I believe that God builds our character. One is through his word, through being in this book. You want to have your Christian character built and your character? Be in God's word. Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them through truth. God's word is truth. But, but you can be in the Bible an hour, two hours a day, but what about the other 23 or 24 hours of the day? What's God going to do during that time to build your character and strengthen you? He not only uses his word, he uses problems. He uses difficulties because that builds our character and our faith and it strengthens us. You know, people think, you know, I'm going through this trial, I'm going through this problem. God must not love me. God must not care. Maybe I'm not even a Christian. God's mad at me. I've missed the boat. I'm off course. And can I say to you, no, you're right where God wants you to be. 
You're on a character course to be like Jesus, to be like God's son. This is a verse that we often bring out whenever we're talking about trials and tribulations, but we seldom go to the next verse. It's in Romans 8, 28, and it says this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for what, church? For good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. We, we usually stop there and we say, all things work together for good. But do we go to the next verse? What, well, how does God work all things together for good? For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his, like Jesus. He wants to take the problems and trials of life to build our patience and our character and our faith to help us be like Jesus. Problems work for us, not against us, to help us be like Jesus and to sanctify our character. I, want, I believe this all in my heart. God never wastes our problems. He always has a purpose. He always has a reason. We got to be careful that when we go through problems and trials in our life, we don't allow our problems to hijack God's purposes. Because what happens a lot of times, we're human, is when a problem and a trial comes, we just get our eyes on the problem and the trial and the circumstance, and, and, and Satan can use that to hijack God's purposes in that trial. What are the purposes? To purify our faith to fortify our patience, to sanctify our character. All good things, amen? So that helps us. If we're gonna profit from problems, we need to know those things. There's four things we need to know, but it's not enough just to know them. We gotta do something about it, okay? I know that, but what do I do about it? So James gives us three things we need to do. If we're gonna profit from problems, here's three things you and I need to do. It's not about just what we know. That helps, but there's some things we need to do. Here's what we need to do, three things. One, we need to rejoice. We need to rejoice. Look at verse two. My brethren, count it all what? Joy. Rejoice. Now, don't misunderstand this verse. James doesn't mean that, okay, I'm going through a problem, I'm going through a trial, so I just fake it. Hi, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. It's okay, it's okay. Life's falling apart, but I'm good. It's all good. God, he, James is not talking about faking it here. He's not talking about putting on a phony, plastic smile and denying reality. God's not asking us to deny, to deny reality. He's not asking us to fake it when he says rejoice in the midst of trials. I heard one guy trying to encourage his friend who was going through a trial. And he said, hey, man, cheer up. Things could be worse. The guy said, I did, and they got worse. He's not talking about faking it when he says rejoice. He's also not talking about having a martyr complex. You know, I'm going through this trial, and God's using it for a purpose. You know, I, I, I just, uh, I feel so spiritual when I'm in pain. I feel so spiritual when I'm going through problems. That's not what he's talking about. But see, here's the deal, church. We don't rejoice for the trial. We rejoice in the trial. And there's a difference. If that makes sense, say yes. We don't rejoice for the trial, but we rejoice in the trial, during the trial. This is exactly what Paul talked about in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. He said this, in everything give thanks. Aren't you thankful he didn't say for everything? He didn't say thank God for the cancer. He didn't say thank God for the car accident. Thank God for the job loss. Thank God for the death of somebody you love and care about. He said thank God in everything. We can rejoice in trials even though we may not be rejoicing for the trial. We thank God that he can bring good out of bad situations for our growth and his glory. 
That's what we're talking about here. And here's the key word, verse 2. I mean, every word here is so meaningful. James says, my brother, count it all joy. That word count affects our attitude. It means to deliberately look at and evaluate. Okay, I'm in this trial. I'm in this problem. How am I going to respond? What's my attitude going to be? Am I going to count it all joy? In the Greek, this word means to make up our mind decisively once and for all. How I'm going to view this trial, this problem. It means to have forward thinking. That I'm going, to, I'm going to look forward to the day that I understand how God used this to build my faith and my patience and strengthen me. We make a choice, church. In every problem and trial we face, how are we going to count it? Are we going to count it all joy? Are we going to, make a, are we going to choose to rejoice? I want you to say this with me together. It's my choice to rejoice. Let's say that again. It's my choice to rejoice. Do you believe that? It is. We can't choose our trials, but we can choose our attitude. That's what James is saying. If you're going to profit from problems, you've got to make a choice to rejoice. You know, that's what the psalmist did in Psalm 34.1. The psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times. No matter what, I'm going to make a choice to rejoice. I'm going to choose my attitude. Um... There's a show that's uh, fairly popular, I think it's on TLC, uh, called 19 Kids and Counting. And when I watch this show, I'm always reminded why I don't have 19 kids. And uh, Shelly and uh, Caitlin, our daughter, we call her Missy, they, they've been watching it a lot lately. It's, it's been really interesting because uh, some of the girls are now going and, and they're getting married and they're starting to date guys and get married. And so it's, it's very interesting to watch the show because, you know, whatever you think about the family, they, they have some interesting rules on dating and courtship. And I used to think their rules were crazy until now my daughter's about to be 17 and she's dating. And I think they got some great rules now. I really want to embrace some of those. But uh, one of the rules is you can't uh, have any physical contact, you know, till you're in a courtship, and then when you do, uh, you can't, no frontal hugging, you can only side hug, and, we, and uh, I happened to walk through the room, and I got caught up in this one episode they were watching, and one of the girls is dating a missionary guy, and so they hadn't seen each other in three months, and so the whole family is like at the airport, and, and the girl is going to see the guy she's dating, and, and, and they've now gone on to get married, and they haven't seen each other for three months, so they're waiting there, and they got signs, and he comes down the runway, and she runs up and just gives him, boom, this full frontal hug, and they, the camera goes on the family and they're all like oh you see that and they're all talking about it and then they're interviewing the family you know how they think about it and they're like well you know it was just a vulnerable moment of emotion I'm sure it will never happen again you know and it's like wow you know it's crazy but whatever you think about you know 19 kids and counting I got caught up in this episode um, where the mom was recently pregnant with what would have been their 20th child. And the cameras went to the doctor, you know, with the mom and the dad, and they were going to do the ultrasound and hear the heartbeat for the very first time, and cameras are, are rolling, and, we, and you see everything as it plays out. And they're doing the ultrasound, and, and they said, I'm sorry, but there's no heartbeat. Would have been their 20th child that she had given birth to, and they said, there's, there's no heartbeat. You know, we've lost the baby. And without any editing or anything, the mom immediately says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 mean, I just like teared up when I heard that. 
and it was very touching. That's someone who made a choice to rejoice because that's how faith works. That's what James is saying. You see, when we go through problems, we want to profit from our problems. Problems don't automatically produce blessing. It's our attitude that makes the difference. We we say this all the time. Problems are going to make you bitter or they're going to make you better. And you know what the difference is between bitter and better? It's the letter I. I. I make the difference. My attitude. Am I going to choose to rejoice. We make a choice to rejoice. James says, count it all joy. We need to rejoice. Number two, here's something else we need to do. We need to request. We need to pray. We need to make a request of God. You say, well, I don't know. I'm going through a problem. I'm going through a trial. I don't even know what to pray. I don't even know how to pray. Well, James helps us. He tells you what to pray for. Look at verse five. If any of you lacks, what's the next word, church? Wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, that's what we pray for during problems and trials. Let him ask of God. Make the request who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and he'll give it to you. He'll give you the wisdom. You say, well, why do I need to pray for wisdom in the midst of problems and trials? So you don't waste the opportunity to grow through that trial. So you can profit from the problem. We, we become overwhelmed when we don't understand what God is doing in God's ways. You know what wisdom is? It's seeing things from God's perspective. Seeing them the way God wants you to see them. And so when you go through a problem or trial, if you're going through one now or when you do in the future, don't ask God why. God's already told us why. To build our faith, our patience, our character. But ask God what. That's wisdom. God, what? What are you trying to teach me in the midst of this problem? What do you want me to learn? What direction do you want me to go? How do you want me to grow? How do you want me to respond? We need to rejoice. And we need to request and ask God for wisdom. And then there's a third thing. And when you do those things, the third thing will happen. We need to relax. We need to relax. Trust God that he knows what's best for your life and he knows what's going on. That's what verse 6 says. But when you ask for wisdom in this problem, this trial, let him ask in what, church? In faith with no doubting. Relax. For he who doubts in his faith is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. You're not able to relax when you're being tossed around by the storms of life. You've got to decide that you're going to cooperate with God's process and God's purposes during your problems. Don't try to shortcut the process that God is trying to work and build your faith. And I want to share something with you guys that was so special and meaningful to Shelly and I that happened last week. And uh, I want to share this for a couple of different reasons. Um, One, I want to share this. was, was something that was a text conversation that happened between Missy, our daughter, and her brother Caleb, who just went off to college, and he's in his first year at Northeastern playing baseball. And uh, I want to share this for a couple of reasons. One thing I want to share is to encourage you parents that have younger children. There is a day they like each other. There is a day that they start getting along. It's when one of them leaves for college. (laughs) And uh, that's started happening with these two, and it's been cool for us to see. But it also, what I'm going to share with you, reminds me as a parent that not only is my faith and life affected when I'm facing problems, but my kids' life is affected because they're watching how mom and dad handle 
problems and trials and difficulties. And our kids have watched us face problems and trials in our life. And now they're becoming adults. And they're choosing how to respond. And so they had this text message that went back and forth. And, and Missy sent it to me because she was so excited of how nice and kind and thoughtful her brother was to her. But there's more to it than that. And I asked for her permission to share this with you guys, and she said that, that I could because Missy has been going through some challenges. She has some health challenges. Um, she just found out recently that her boyfriend of over a year and a half may be moving to Florida. Why anyone would want to live, leave Colorado and move to Florida, I have no idea. But that's a challenge for her. She's 17. These are real things. And so she was sharing this with her brother in college in, in a text. And here was his response and her reaction. He said, oh, I'm so sorry. That would be very rough. I'll pray for you. Just remember, God has a plan, and everything happens for a reason. She said, I'm trying to, Bubby. She calls him Bubby. I'm just so lost right now. I really wonder what God's plan is because I'm so confused. Her brother responded, I'll pray for you, and you pray to God and ask what it is, and he will show you everything happens for a reason. She said, I know I'm trying to just realize I'm going through a trial right now. Mom and dad are helping. I know God is using things to better me. Thanks, Bubby. I really appreciate you giving me advice, even when you're so busy at college. He said, I love you. Good night. Text me whenever. I'll keep that for a long time. What was he saying? What was she saying? God's using this for good. God's using this to strengthen me, and I can relax. I can make a choice to rejoice. You know, my heart goes out to those of you who are going through problems and trials or have. Some of them I know about. Some of them I don't. And I just want to tell you guys from the bottom of my heart, we're praying for you. We love you. We care about you. We want to help you in any way we can. I wish I could answer all the questions to all your problems. I I can't. There are some things we will face in this life we can't answer this side of heaven. We just can't. But I tell you, one of the things that encourage us, the leaders of Orchard Church, as we work with you guys and we pray for you guys and we minister to you guys and counsel and disciple you guys, is to see when some of you go through problems how God has grown your faith and your patience and he's strengthened you. And what you would look back at and say, that was one of the most difficult times in my life, you would also look back and go, that was one of the best times in my life. And I tell you, it's such a joy and a privilege to watch your faith grow and be strengthened like James is talking about. But it's not easy, is it? Because let's be honest, it's not always easy to rejoice and relax in the midst of problems. We, we want to, but we're human. Even when we want to, it's not always easy. Let me, let me leave you with a couple of thoughts. When we go through problems, the devil wants to use problems to defeat us. But God wants to use problems to develop us. And a lot of it has to do with how we respond. God sees everything. God cares. That's why he says, cast all your care upon me because I care for you. And nothing happens without his permission. Do you believe that, church? And he's in control. I would challenge you to do two things when you go through problems. You talk to God. You ask God for the wisdom to understand the test and the faith to endure it. And never, ever, ever give up. And when you do, 
you will begin to profit from your problems. Let's pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. If you're here today as a believer in Jesus Christ and you'd say, I'm going through a problem right now. I'm going through a trial. I'm going through a challenge. And I needed this message today. I needed to know those things. And there's some things I know I need to do. I need to rejoice. I need to request. And then I need to relax. And would you, Pastor, pray for me that I would apply God's truth to my life today. And it would encourage me and challenge me. I want to put these things into practice. I want to, I want to make a choice to rejoice like James is talking about. Because God is using these things for my growth and His glory. Can I pray for you? You're going through a challenge, a problem. Would you slip up your hand all across the auditorium? Anyone going through a problem, a trial? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for all those who so desperately needed this message today. Who are in the midst of a trial, a problem, a challenge right now. God, I pray that your word today has met them right where they needed it. And that they would understand the things they need to know and the things they need to do and that they would make a choice to rejoice. That you give them the strength, that you would build their faith and build their character and build their patience. And, and Lord, that they would look back and say, thank you. Not for the trial, but in the trial and what you did in my life. Encourage them with that today. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He wants to be a part of your life. He wants to be there to help you when you go through those trials and difficulties. He wants to guide and direct your life. And and here's the deal. You're never going to face anything that Jesus hasn't faced. He went to the cross and endured the ultimate trial to pay for your sins and to offer you salvation and all you have to do is open your heart and your life to him today and accept him and he'll come into your life he'll forgive you of your sins and he'll walk with you he'll, he'll be in your life and you'll spend eternity in heaven with him and if you've never made that decision I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now that for some of you that's where you need to, to start you need to give your problems and trials to Jesus you need to allow him to help you and, and be in your life as Lord and Savior I want to lead you in a prayer of faith It's not a magic prayer or magic words, but if you put faith and belief behind it, you can invite Jesus in your life today. And if you're ready to pray that prayer of faith, would you pray it with me? I'll help you. It goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me, for my sins. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Help me through life and all its challenges. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and saving me. Thank you. Thank you. Well, heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking around but myself for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to pray for you as you've just entered that new relationship with Jesus. And I want to pray for you. You grow in that relationship. Would you just slip up your hand right now all across the auditorium? Yes, I just prayed that prayer of faith. God bless you, young man. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Anyone else? Just slip it up. Put it down so I can see it. Pray for me. I accepted Christ today. I prayed that prayer of faith and I meant it. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those putting their faith and trust in you today for the first time. I pray they would grow in their relationship with you, that we as a church would meet them where you do with love, grace, mercy. Help them to grow in their walk with you, Lord. Thank you for their life-changing decision today. We welcome them with open arms into the family of God as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we celebrate with them. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate Decisions for Christ this morning? Amen. Amen.
If you made a decision uh, for Christ to accept him or rededicate your life today, please let us know about that in your connection card, in your newsletter. Drop that in the offering bucket uh, as it goes by in just a moment. If you're a first-time guest, thank you. Thank you for being our guest today. We hope we've been as much a blessing to you as you blessed us uh, by joining us in worship and in God's word today. If you filled out your connection card as a first-time guest, drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. Uh, so we can just thank you for being our guest today. Um, I hope you'll be here next week. Are you enjoying James so far? We're only two weeks in. I'm telling you, this is a great book. Amen. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about how to make up your mind. You guys ever face decisions and you don't know how to make the right decision? Next week's going to help. How to make up our mind in a way that pleases God. So let's stand as we close in a song in response to worship. Worship through our giving. God bless you guys for being here today.